seem to be a man short disciple. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's fun, isn't it? I don't know, it's just fun. Funny watching now. Like you can tell he want you can tell like he's got the fight, but he just like you sometimes put your head in your hands like God, no, don't hit an overhead, don't hit an overhead, don't hit mm. an overhead. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't it's, it's, it's um, Don't hit a double fault. Don't hit a double fault. Come on, set yeah. point. Come on, it's set the point, man. And hit the forehand in the court. <laughs> like, <no. laughs> Hello. Welcome to the On The Line Tennis Podcast episode 6 now, 5, 6? Yeah, I don't yeah. 6, 6, yeah, I'm losing count already. <laughs> it's me, Jack Edward, and my co-host. Gavin Lang, yeah, good evening. Good evening, Gav. Good to see you again. Uh, not loads going on the last week, really, the Washington, or the City Open even, but we have a little bit to talk about today, don't we? We've got basically the players that did well at Washington and a little bit on Rafa's injury. We've also got Daniel Collins winning in Silicon Valley. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we'll probably talk a bit about the Toronto draw, basically who we think might win and what the draw looks like and some of the best matches there and stuff. That'll go by in a flash, I'm sure, won't it? I probably should start with Washington, shouldn't we? Yeah, start with the City Open. Um, yeah. So Yannick Sinner won after a bit of a sabbatical. I think he had been off for a month or so. It might not even be as much as that, but he had been on, I think, a four-match losing streak before coming yeah, into Washington. Yeah, he was. I mean, he really struggled on the grass, which is probably understandable due to the yeah. lack of playing time on it, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always thought of him as being more of a clay court player in terms of that would work. He would do probably best on. But um, yeah, well, he was always going to be threat in the hard courts. But I think last week, just a great opportunity for him because so many seeds went out, you know what I mean? Like Rafa went out early, likes of uh, Nori went out before the quarters. So you had kind of a open draw for him to kind of... Yeah, he's certainly turning into that. And I would agree with sort of ignoring the four-match losing streak because grass really isn't a kind surface for Sinner. I would certainly agree with, or I'm starting to feel that Sinner is the kind of player that beats players right below him and really is, you know, cementing himself as a very worthy top twenty player at least. You know, maybe we'll oh, yeah. see him in, maybe we'll see him in the top ten within a year or so. But he's the sort of player that yeah even when he's having some tough matches, which he did at the City Open, he sort of finds a way to scrape through and, you know, it's that kind of that kind of sort of just strength to get through really difficult matches even against lower rank players and sort of find a way all the time that's certainly yeah, what it looked like very well doesn't it? I mean that's big pressure players trying you know obviously have to go out there always as a favourite and always perform and usually he does that pretty well I mean he's got a good track record of beating lower rank players when he's got what three ATP titles already yeah. um, you know that, that's a very good record when you consider players like Shapovalov who you know more highly rated in the past, and they've only got, well, Cabral's only got one title, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, he's proved that he can get over the winning line very well, and, you know, that's his first 500 event, only teenager, teenager to have won a 500 so far as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, like, that, that's very encouraging for later on in his career, if you can deal with that pressure that early in your career. Um, it, you know, a lot of promising signs going forward. Yeah, I think just a little asterisk in that one. I'm pretty sure did 500s only start in like 2009, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's still, it's still an impressive feat. And I think before that, the youngest player was Verev. I'd seen it somewhere this week. It was like 2017, I think also in Washington, actually. And he was 20 years old. So center at 19, it's still a very impressive feat for the last sort of 12 years. I think previous to that, 
your equivalent might have been Queen's and Boris Becker won at yep. 17 years old, pretty sure, yeah. in like 85 or 86 85, maybe? yeah, 85. 85, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's still, obviously, I think nowadays it's much harder to to win at a young age. It's it's, it's a properly impressive feat. And Djokovic sort of won his, he's won, he won his first Masters at 20 years old. Before that, it was only 250s. So Sinner at 19 winning a 500, you know, if you compare it to Djokovic, Obviously, Rafa was winning loads at that age, previous to that age, actually. But Rafa's a little bit of an oddity. Sinner, you know, doing almost better than Djokovic at this age, super impressive. And obviously, he got to the Miami final area in the year. Probably could have won that on a a better day. And that was a pretty bad day at the office for Sinner. It was, yeah. yeah. And her catch took advantage and played some of his best stuff. So what can you do, really? Yeah, yeah. But he's going to have plenty more opportunities to win Masters 1000s in the future. I mean, that's... No doubt about that at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, super impressive age-wise. I've got a little bit of stat knowledge on what kind of stuff Sinner improved this week to win Washington. So he had been off for a while, and it looked as though coming back, he'd improved his serve in particular. Certainly for 2021, he was winning about 68.9 of his first serve points. And at Washington, he was winning 81.1% of his first serve points. So yeah. massive, massive leap. 68.9, sorry, was 2021 hardcourt record. So that that takes out um, clay right. and, and grass as well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did notice when he played Djokovic in Monte Carlo, you know, his serve placement was an issue you need to you know move on. I think that was the one area of the game that you need to that's exactly it, Gav. Yeah. So the the speed hasn't changed so mm. much. So he's st- still sort of serving one twenty plus at, at the best of times. But it was it was the placement and the stat I've got in front of me. Take Federer as an example, probably the best spot server of all time potentially yeah. outside of the guys that are super, super tall, obviously. He serves to the body he has served to the body 5.7 percent in his career on his first serve in the juice court center this year 22.2 percent to the body so it's the center of the court basically the center of the juice box yeah basically that's i mean that's a mental stat when you think about it it's about four times as much as Federer would be serving to the body i think it's a good option so especially if you're playing against taller players if you serve yeah. like that they're going to struggle to get out of the way and you know, make good contact with the ball more you know that's, yeah. that's the option. i think it's underused um one, yeah, thing yeah. Not, one thing I noticed about Sinner as well was in his match with Brooksby um, in the semis when Brooksby was kind of reading his serve a wee bit, just changed it up slightly to throw in a bit more of a kick serve and, and uh, he, he served like a few kick serves um, and Brooksby struggled to pick them and then he was kind of off on his roll again, you know what I mean? So that was kind of smart to change the tactics up mid-match and know that, okay, he's got to read my serve, but I need to maybe change this up put more kick, put more slice in my service, change the variety and uh, that, that worked really well for him. So yeah, yeah. big improvement in his serves. Uh, yeah. Statistics and stuff. I, I would say the kick serve, he's always had a pretty good kick serve, Gav. I'd 100% agree with you there. And in terms of variety and maybe smarts, he's not lacking. He's got a really good coach, obviously. I think Ricardo Piatti's probably talked to him a lot about serve tactics and placement and stuff. But the other side of the coin is that with all those body serves, comes a massive spike in or decrease even in first serve points one and he must have been outside of the top 40 i'm pretty sure within the top 50 for first serve points one uh, last year yeah that's the problem isn't it especially if you play better with runners you know body serves not really a big issue for them Uh, likes for schwarzman for example serve body to him and he's got to 
speed and sort of the a movement ability to kind of get out of the way and get the ball back. Keep yeah. Support, so exactly. Yeah. So so in principle, Gav, I'd hundred percent agree with you. The body serves underused, but in Senna's case, it, it more seems like an issue with placement on the whole and yeah. he needs to sort it out or he has started to sort it out because that sort of 13% increase in first serve point one this week and not against players who are bad returners as well sort of Mackenzie McDonald Sebastian Corda who's actually 11th this year in first serve points for some first serve return points one players like that and Jensen Brooksby you know to win 81.1% of his first serve points that's scary definitely yeah, very impressive yeah mm-hmm. it's really really good obviously if centre serve and I wrote a few articles about this sort of earlier in the year. He needed to sort of serve then. If he starts to sort it out now, he, he can go really far. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, so one technical change I just wanted to talk about quickly. And thank you to Matthew Willis for pointing this out, uh, a very good article writer within Tennis Analytics. He noticed that Sinner has changed his serving position from a pinpoint stance to a platform stance. Yeah. Yeah, so pinpoint stance being when the sort of back leg comes in to meet the other leg and you, you serve from a sort of more pillar-like position yep. and platform stance being your sort of Roger Federer stance where you've got both legs cemented to the ground up into the point of, you know, actually yeah, no drive, yeah. yeah, exactly. Struggling to explain that one. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's not really an advantage to either. Uh, I've, so after a little bit of research, basically it's kind of preference because you've got about half the top 10 using platform stance and half the top 10 using pinpoint stance. But Gav, I would say, I wonder if you can maybe notice, a, it's not an obvious theme, but certainly the platform stance players, Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, team, sits the pass, and then the pinpoint stance players, Zverev, Nadal, Matteo Berrettini, Medvedev. Which of those servers would you say has a more accurate serve rather than a massive serve? Uh, accurate serves, I would probably will. Whenever Federer's mentioned, obviously, you've got to go yeah. with that. You know, exactly. That, yeah, definitely. Djokovic as well, he's improved his accuracy. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely go for that, the more accurate. Uh, uh, exactly, Gav. And it's platform stance that Sinner's changed to. So you get a bit more balance doing platform stance. And I certainly think with platform stance, he has found a way to sort of get the ball into the court in the right positions easier, I think, with that balance. Pinpoint stance is a bit more easy power, sort of using forward momentum You're to get into the that. court. Yeah, no. Yeah. Sure. So it's working for him it's interesting because he used to use it in the juniors like before 2018 and he's, he's changed back to that this week wonder why uh, it in the first place uh, yeah, yeah exactly it's very bizarre maybe there was an emphasis on trying to volley I don't know because yeah, obviously power, it's yeah. yeah but obviously he's not a natural volley or he's not really uh, got that ga- part of his game nailed yet to be honest um so I don't know, maybe maybe you'll bring the pinpoint stance back out for the grass court season next year, Gav. You could do, yeah. Change it up. Would yeah. On the surface. No, that's that's um that'd be a good thing to have in his arsenal, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe. If he you know, if he was thinking about serving and volleying, but I don't see him doing that for a while. No, but, he's too good from the back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and fair play to him. It works from the back. But yeah, it's just a really interesting observation anyway. And you know, obviously if it's working for him, then fair play to him. I think you should keep doing it. Definitely. Yeah, so with that, Gav, with the win and with this new serve, he's in the top 10 for the year within the race to Turin. Yeah, I, I think he's going to make it there. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think he will have a good 
hard court season. Well, he's already had a good hard court season by winning a title, but um, I think it will continue throughout the rest of it. And uh, yeah, I think he should make you in. Um, I think uh, you know that, that he deserves to. I mean, he's shown so much uh, his potential this year, making his first Masters final. Um, okay, the grass is a bit of a blot in the copy book, but then you can see that for a lot of players in the past. The team's not done that well at Wimbledon, for example. Rublev struggled in grass, so uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about his grass court form. Uh, I think on hard on the clay, he's just been phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. And also, we need a little bit of turf for the older players, I think. Yeah. If, if they could just stay away from that position for now and let Federer, Djokovic, Murray even, we'll see. Murray, yeah. Keep, keep well, who knows? <laughs> then, perfect. I'm not complaining. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see next year, just as a small point before we move on, who uh, which of the younger players will break out within the, the, the grass courts. Maybe it'll, I think Chapel's already done it, I suppose, with oh, that yeah, semi run. And oh, yeah, yeah, oh, he looked brilliant this year. He really did. Um, yeah. I, I, if he just keeps improving, then yeah, 100%. Um, I, he's got a really, really, really good chance. Fingers crossed, because I like him. I'm a big fan of his game, yeah. Just yeah. He's a bit more tactically astute, I think, but uh, that, that will develop over time, I think. So moving on, I think we'll talk quickly about Jensen Brooksby, yep. Yannick Sinner's semi-final opponent in Washington. How did you feel about his performance this week, Gav? Impressed? Very, very impressive, and I watched a lot of him. Um, I hadn't seen much of him before in the calendar tour, but I watched his first match with Kevin Anderson, and I thought in the big moments he was mentally tougher than Anderson. He played them better. Um, I'm surprised he's not got a massive serve yet. He's winning so yep. much of his first serve points, such a high percentage of first serve points, and very basic service motion. It's the sort of one that maybe you think, you know, it, you see it's like start with a racket in a high position, you know, it's like just throw the ball up and hit it almost. You know, there's no real technical, yeah, yeah. Mm. No real technical um, nuances that are particularly unique. Um, but it's, I like that, you know, it's a basic service motion. It's working for him. You don't need all this nonsense. You know, like you don't need like a Leonardo Meyer serve or whatever, like with all the update yeah. back and all that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's effective. It works yeah. quite well. He doesn't need to hit the ball at one forty if you're winning that percentage of your serve points. You can hit it one twenty and hit the spot. Oh yeah, a hundred percent agree with everything you're saying there. I think the serve will need work definitely if he if he wants to get super far. But I agree with what you're saying in general. The sort of compactness, the simplicity of it, probably is. is will stand him in good stead in terms of, you know, something that doesn't break down, like, you know, all the young guys, Bloody Zverev and stuff. And, you know, I think for him to just have a nice, easy serve. And yeah, it's not like a bonus serve, is it? Not one with yeah. a ball cross goes to the moon. And, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Nice with him. Yeah. But I, I, nonetheless, yeah, I, I think it will need to get a bit bigger if he wants to keep getting up the rankings. He's made his top 100 debut this week. Yeah, I just um, think 125 would be a good, a good kind of spot we get that so it's like slightly more than 120 which you'd probably see is kind of the speed which most top guys are serving at you know but you want maybe 125 you know 130 does he need 130 I don't think so if he can hit 125 yeah. in the spot yeah. and that gives him enough pace to kind of get three points and it, even if he doesn't get maybe win the point with like an ace when I'm returnable the ball's going to probably come back short where he can attack on it and maybe get to the net you know so that, that's I think that'd be good yeah. for him you know, get rid of that average 125 mark yeah so certainly, I was going to say there's not been many top ten players over the past sort of ten years or so who haven't had a first serve that can reach sort of one twenty plus. Nishikori maybe is your main exception for rare. And even in struggling, you know, it's fine to hold yeah. serve in those matches. So exactly. yeah, one two five to one thirty is kind of the magic number. Yeah, and he's he's not he's not short either. 
Um, no, he's, say not. That. he's got the so, height yeah yeah so yeah uh, it'll, it'll, i think it'll need a bit of work but at the same time he's proven me wrong in some ways so he's already got to uh, the newport final this yeah. year yeah that yeah. must that must have been one of i don't know how many atp events he's played but it can't have been many like he's played a lot of challenger tournaments but he's not played many atp level tournaments in his career yeah and it was good for him to get that win over Anderson. i know anderson won newport and um yeah he beat which been the final, it was like two and a half hours for two sets. It was a really hard fought two set match. So the fact that he came back in Washington and got the win over him just shows that he's got that determination and got the mentality of okay, he might have beat me in the final, but I still think I can go out there and, and beat Kevin Anderson. And he did so. You know, he played very well. And in the big moments, he actually looked like the more experienced player in that match. Yeah, yeah, he uh, did. Anderson was kind of disappointed. He's not had a great year. I know he struggled with injuries and stuff. He was disappointing, especially in the tiebreak. Um, didn't play it well at all, looked very uptight, looked very nervy. It was Brooks who was one that looked like um, the most experienced to a pro. So I, I was very impressed with him, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think in, earlier on in the year, I was keeping an eye on him when he won a couple of challenger titles and I did a little piece on him and stuff. His game's really not much different from when he was playing at the challenger level. And also, I've seen a lot of what won him those titles and what he does to the other players seems to work at all levels. He's, he gets into players' heads in a way, certainly, and he looks like he's just not going to miss a lot of the time. He, he's that sort of player. And I, I mean, Andy Money compared him to Florian Meyer because of his backhand slice, you know, double hander, double yeah. two hands on the on the slice. But honestly, yeah, I, that, yeah. I'd, I'd compare him to Andy Murray. Obviously, Andy wouldn't have done that himself. Yeah, he's, like, but, he's like a brick wall, isn't he? Yeah. Like, he's like a brick wall that you just can't break down without playing 40 short rallies or whatever. Yeah, you know? and the backhand, yeah. the backhand in particular is a nightmare to play against by the looks yeah. of it. he just absorbs the pace and gets it back. He, you know, yeah, like super, exactly. Super counter-puncher. The longer the rally goes on, the more likely it looks like he's going to win it. And the fighting spirit is comparable to Murray as well. He just seems to go on and on, never gives up. Plenty of energy. Yeah. He had a massive three-hour match against, I think, Bjorn Frattengel in one of the challenger tournament finals he must have saved like 17 break points or something like that i don't know what it was he was just playing absolutely fantastic stuff so yeah i'd compare him to andy definitely and he's got loads of potential just get just get that serve up a little bit yeah just a wee bit more pop yeah but it'll it'll be exciting to see where he goes from here obviously with the top 100 debut he's probably going to get into the us open main draw so, oh, you'd hope so, yeah. And even if he didn't get in, you know, wild card, he'd definitely be a wild card. I think. Um, yeah, he's well, he's un- unlikely to drop out of the top one hundred in the yeah, next couple he, of weeks. Yeah, so, yeah, he should be yeah. getting in. Probably, yeah. So yeah, exciting stuff. He's already uh, just yeah. Side note: I just found that he got knocked out of uh, Toronto this uh, this week by Nicholas Bas- So he did. Yeah, so exactly. You know, either great or terrible. So. And yeah, against against Brooksby, obviously that's the kind of player who, you know, Brooksby could just totally get in Basil Ashville's head or Basil Ashville could just like completely blow Brooksby off the court. He's, yeah. It's an odd matchup probably because one's Anyhow, probably... Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah probably going to be dominating the other, whatever happens, I would imagine. So yeah, there was a bagel in the middle set, for example, and I think the first set was 6-2 to Brooksby. So yeah, obviously okay. just t- topsy-turvy stuff, yeah. Um. Right, moving on to a little bit on Nadal. Um, mm. So Nadal had to, he didn't retire, sorry, he got knocked out by Lloyd Harris, but he has been talking about an ongoing foot injury. Yeah. And he kind of alluded to the fact it affected his play a little bit. He didn't, you know, it's, it's not very Nadal to 
everybody say that it affected him wholly, but it kind of looked like he did yeah. um, get affected by it. And he, he was sort of talking about it a little bit like it had affected his play somewhat. Now, Gav, I've just got a quick bit of injury history on Nadal on hard courts. Basically, the last 36 hard court events he's played, he has had to retire mid tournament or withdrawn from the tournament. 22 of those 36 hard court tournaments. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? It is tons. It is absolutely yeah. tons. Uh, so, I mean, that doesn't even include, include the last one. So, the last one he did actually play. And so, a lot of these tournaments he's still playing sometimes and still losing, but he might have something underlying that is still affecting his play somewhat. But yeah, yeah. It, it, it just obviously isn't built for hard courts anymore, Gav. Do you think he's going to be breaking down later on in his career? Think, Do you think this yeah. is him breaking down? I mean, it's very difficult to predict injuries and stuff, but I think since the US Open final in 2019, he's not looked the same player on the hard courts, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a bit of an enigma last week because he said for his match for Harris, there was, was talk of him not even taking the court, and then after the match, he said it felt fine. It is a bit of an ongoing issue, obviously. We don't know how severe it is, but, you know, for me, if it's really, really severe, does he take the court? I'm not sure that he'd enter the tournament if it was really, really severe. Um, but yeah, I th- I just think the hard courts now, his knees and his, and his age, um, it's going to be very difficult for him to come through a two-week event. Uh, especially now you've got players like Rublev, Medvedev that are very, very solid in the hard courts. He's not going to have any easy draws. You know I mean? There's no easy draw for him, especially when we get into second week of slams. Um, so I think he is vulnerable, yeah. I think yeah. For him, he's probably going to be prioritising the play now. I mean, we saw Wimbledon, he just skipped completely. Yeah, I think for me, as the years go on now, I think you have to be a bit concerned if he's had a foot injury at Roland Garros is playing the US Open really going to be beneficial for him you know even if it's cleared or not 100% maybe it's 70% is that going to benefit him in the long run for the rest of his career by playing that tournament this is a surface which a lot of players are very very strong on the surface which you know benefit the big servers as well so it's going to like like one of these things where he's going to have to weigh up well I might be able to play but is it the right thing to play for mm-hmm. my career, you know, or for an injury standpoint. And that's what I think is going to be interesting to see. We won't know until, obviously, you know, decides or not. It's very difficult if we don't know how bad the injury is. But where I'm standing or where I'm looking at it, I think it's very, very, it's going to be very risky for him to play that if it's not 100% clear, you know, yeah. especially with the ramifications for it to be severe for next season. Yeah, the the one span on the works, I'd throw into that a little stat on the f- 14 tournaments he's played so out of those 36 tournaments he's played 14 of them and not played 22 out of the 14 he has played or not retired from he's actually won five of them so yeah i mean he's got a very good record in north america and hardcore yeah I mean, he's yeah in particular in australia um so yeah maybe that's why he's playing it maybe he thinks he can win the US. so there's no doubt he can win it but it's whether for him you know if that's a severe knee injury that's not cleared up or foot injury rather not cleared up Controlling Garros, what's the chance of it leading up after two weeks of, or potentially two weeks of intense tennis in the hard court mm-hmm. in New York? I just think it's going to do more harm than good. But you know, I could be wrong. It could be totally non-issue. Maybe the boot will heal and he'll be able to play with no pain at all. But I just think it's unlikely. You know. Yeah, given I, history, Gav, I'm, I've got to say to you, I don't see him playing the US, or at least playing it the whole way through. And he might. I think I could see him retiring. Yeah, I mean, he's done that before. Yeah, he could retire second week. He can make second week, but it's, it's going to be difficult for him. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame either way. Hopefully he's all right. Because I like to see Rafa at the US, but 
yeah we'll see what happens right so uh we'll we'll wrap up the city open there unless there's anything else you can think of off the top of your head that might have been relevant to talk about i think we pretty much summed up the main main players the that. main events yeah yeah i'll just quickly touch on danielle collins then on the ladies side and her run of form she's basically won two titles in a row a 250 in Palermo and a 500 in Silicon Valley. The 250 in Palermo was, oh, I mean, it was impressive because she's just come back from surgery like in May, basically. She she had endometriosis surgery. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, geez, oh. She had that, uh, I think, earlier on in the year and only came back from it in May. So for her to already be winning a tournament and by her, her own admission, it's very impressive. She wasn't expecting to be doing this well so quickly basically mm. and that was after the 250 and that was a fairly reduced field because of the olympics but then in silicon valley the field was very very tough and she beat sloan stevens elena ribikina and kasakina back to back i've always been impressed with um collins's mentality in the court you know the grasp and determination i think um that mm. probably helps her is a benefit for her um Maybe cope with pain. Maybe just push your way. Maybe she's good at pushing your way through the pain barrier. But uh, yeah, that's very impressive. I mean, Rebecca playing mm-hmm. unbelievably well. You know, fourth in the Olympics really could have won that bronze medal match as well. Um, yeah, and it was um, it was straight sets as well. Yeah, so I mean, that that's great signs for her going forward, and hopefully she can just keep building this form into the US Open next year. Because, uh, yeah, sort of I enjoy watching that player. That, a player that has that sort of attitude that, that never say died a constant fight attitude. Um, it's yeah. always good to watch players that have that and if she's got that paid, no, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. just have a couple of um, things to add to what you just said there. So in terms of the mentality, her final, she was, she lost, she won the first set and then Kasekina, I think, had to stop her from serving from the match and then in the tie break, I think she had five championship points all saved by Kasekina and then in the third set, Collins came back Totally put it behind her and won the third set six one. Now that's, that's you don't see. Yes, yeah, that's like what Boyd had to do to win the nineteen eighty Wimbledon, you know. But oh, match, yeah, match, uh, match points. I mean that that is very impressive. It's it's properly impressive, and she was very impressed with it herself. Sort of saying that the victory was all that more just impressive for her, more satisfying for her, even because she had to win it the way she did. Basically, and that's you know you don't hear many players say that you know they prefer to win it the hard way than the the easy way, basically. Yeah, no, absolutely. But she had to earn that. And, uh, no, it's good for her. And hopefully she can just keep on building in that form. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's obviously difficult to dominate in women's tennis. Um, but, you know, she's got all the attributes to kind of do really well and have a really, you know, good season next year and uh, win some big titles. I mean, it's always good to watch. It is, yeah. The, the other thing I'd say as well, she beat Ribikina, massive server. She totally ate Rubikina's serve for breakfast and with good reason because she's the third best second serve returner on the women's tour this year so we're talking second she's got the third best amount of second serve return points one percent and then she's second best on break points converted so that's both mentality and returning prowess in a nutshell there she's statistically is doing incredibly well so yeah, as you say, you know, first round she could get knocked out by anybody. That's women's tennis at the moment. Um, it's super hard to dominate. But if she were to make a deep run and she was to get a bit of momentum, I would 
really really fancy her chances because she's she's solid as a rock like yeah well when you've got that mentality i mean a lot of players don't have that so you already put yourself at an advantage having that in his attitude you know so yeah um yeah no reason why she can't win the us open no reason why about 100 players can't win the us open well yeah yeah yeah, exactly there's an argument to be made for a lot of them isn't there and it would be foolish it would be foolish of me to back her but at the same time i you know I'm as impressed by her game, so I wouldn't be surprised if she came out and won the US Open, or at least got to the final or something. Whereas, you know, at the start of the year, I was pretty surprised Jennifer Brady got to the final, for example. Yeah. Um, just yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising if Daniel Collins makes a a deep run. In terms of results, that's it. I think we could quickly talk about the Toronto draw. Yeah. Quickly talk about that. Um, yeah. So number of good matches yesterday actually that were good to watch. Um, Chilich Ramos Vinyalas was just marrying Chilich in a nutshell at the moment uh, he got the win the hard way um, dominated the first set served really well mm-hmm. played really well from the back of the court Ramos Vinyalas comes back in because Ramos Vinyalas is great to watch as well very very mm-hmm. stubborn I mean the guy just will never give in um, and Chilich had some struggles and serve which is man at the moment but uh, he dropped that set and he came back to win that in three a good hard fought win for him he's playing good tonight That'll be a good watch, especially because Casper is forming the hard courts. He was still to prove himself in the hard courts. So, yeah. Marin will fancy his chances um, for that one. That Definitely. was a really good one to watch. Um, Apelka Kyrgios as well. That was always going to be a fun matchup. Um, I saw that. Yeah, bloody uh, net touch gate or whatever it was. There's always something with Kyrgios, isn't there? There's no yeah. super match. Impossible so against Tommy Paul. Uh, Paul suffering bad defeat last week in Washington to Galan in the opening round. Actually, the opening match tournament um so yeah it was good, good to see him come through i know vasek's been kind of up and down he said his injury problems but uh no probably paul's excited to watch and um good win for him that's so yeah so it's possible obviously like, I love yeah that seven volley yeah. sometimes and stuff like uh, accomplished doubles so i won the women doubles 2014 so um yeah yeah if he wasn't injured maybe he would have been able to kind of progress further but it's very difficult to pick. but uh there are a number of good matches and you've got uh Bublik Medvedev tonight as well mm. that would be very very good um, yeah. very good public against Evans he was a great down in the opening set and when he was three love down I was like oh here we go it's going to be a public one and two whatever I just won't turn up but he was very very disciplined in his game and uh, the way he played Dan was struggling a wee bit kind of a wee bit overpowered that public which is understandable on these this stuff but um, no I think uh, that was one of the most impressive performances from Bublik I've seen in a while. He was very, very disciplined, very focused, uh, and he got the job done. And uh, I know Dan's had his struggles, maybe suffering from the effects of COVID, but uh, all credit to Bublik. I think that could be very interesting against Medvedev. Medvedev's first match of the tournament could catch him cold, and if he's yeah. catching cold, like, uh, Bublik's not the sort of player you want to be playing when he's on a roll. So. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, they had a match earlier in the year at the French Open. Medvedev won that, well, that yeah, one straight But I mean, both both of them aren't really clay quarters, not just Medvedev, so I wouldn't really read too much into that one. Bublik's the sort of player that could just steal the match, to be honest, yeah. on a hard court. So, yeah, it will be really interesting. You've got Umber sits a pass as well tonight. That'll be a really Oh, brilliant. Here yeah. we go. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see that. Did Humber did win in the Olympics? Is that to. Has he won twice in a row or. He won in he Paris as well? In the Olympics. And he won in Paris as well, didn't he? Um, yes, he did. Whenever yes. that was. Was that last year? Maybe last it was two. Year. Yeah, yeah, it was. yeah. Twice in a row, but go. Yeah, I think He's that's right. Anyway. 
I yeah, so um, that'll be a good one since the past since the French Open had his struggles, but then again, that wasn't grass, some of them. And then I know he had a bad defeat in Hamburg against uh, Krajnovic. So maybe he's still getting over that French Open final defeat. It is understandable, but you'd be looking for him to take on now and kind of show he'd be more determined to win his first slam now. But it will be difficult for him. Um, we saw Zverev after making the final at, uh, in New York and losing. It took him a bit of time to play his best tennis again. So He is still playing really well, obviously. He is, yeah. I think so. he, he's going to find his best form again. I think he could have a good week. Yeah. But saying that, Gav, who, who would you back for the week? I always liked Medvedev's chances in North American <laughs> hardcourts just because of his record and just because some of the tennis he's produced there in the past. Um, mm-hmm. I just think his game's tailor-made to this uh, surface. We've seen, obviously, he had his well-publicised battles with the clay court. The grass, yes, I know he got through to the uh, fourth round he made, he lost, didn't he? But, yeah. Yeah. And, but he did have his struggles against Chilich. You know, he could have been knocked out by Chilich um, in the third round. So, and Struff in the, in the opening round, he got set to him. So I think this surface is his best. I think um, we saw what he did in Australia. Obviously, his courts are different. But uh, I, I'm backing Medvedev. Medvedev's the best player on this surface at the moment. I think uh, I really like his chances. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think that's the safe bet, Gav. But I'm feeling spicy today. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna back Chapel probably. Uh, looking at the draw, Chapel risky choice. He always is, of course. But I think Medvedev's draw is a little bit unkind. But like really tough first round, and then potentially playing—I can't remember now who center potentially playing center after that. Obviously, center in blistering form could be really tough for him. So um, yeah, Chapel. I think Chapel's got a pretty kind draw, kindish. It's all relative, you know. It's not easy by any means, but it still looks a lot better than Medvedev's. So Chapel would be against TFO or Nishioka. TFO in okay form, but he's you know he was a lucky loser this week. You know, he did lose in qualifying. So I, no given, definitely no given. There's no givens really in any match, but that could be a pretty good start for Chapel should he get through that. And then Monfils, certainly not in good form. Or Melman, Melman's definitely beatable. Obviously, Melman's still a bit tough, but Chapel's yeah, still a player. Yeah, Melman had him. the worst match of his career against Brooksby in the quarter. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw Absolutely, that. yeah, nightmare. Like, <laughs> exactly. So, who knows? If Chapel plays a really big game, then maybe he could just run rings around Melman as well. But yeah, that was, was pretty shocking defeat, I've got to say. And then. We'd have probably boy boy in the quarters. Gotta love a bit boy. But yeah, I still, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to back Chapel. I'm surprised you're not sticking with Marin Church. You seem to be a Marin Church disciple. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's fun, isn't it? I don't know. It's just fun. Funny watching now. Like you can tell he want, you can tell like he's got the fight, but he just like you sometimes put your head in your hands. Like God, no, don't hit an overhead. Don't hit an overhead. Don't hit mm. an overhead. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't it's, hit, it's, um, don't hit a double fault. Don't hit a double fault. Come on, set yeah. point. Come on, it's set the point, point, man. And hit the forehand in the court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's fun to watch. I'm not going to back him for the week, but that might mean he will come through and win the whole thing. Yeah, he could just do a repeat of Cincinnati 2016 and just split the draw. And exactly. Yeah, you yeah. never know a man choice. When he wins big titles, it does come out the blue. It does. Oh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll see. It's we unlikely. Don't. I mean, I, I'm really talking rubbish now. It's very unlikely, but who knows? Right, other than that, yeah. Um, oh, one other result that's just finished as well. Can Kachanov beat Cam Nori. Yeah. I mean, watch 
some of the final bits of the set and uh, Ashnov improved his serving. You know, he was struggling getting his first serve in, but then many other takes it and fast hard court, you know. Nori, I think, would struggle against a player like that in fast hard court. So, you know, he did well to get set. I think, you know, Nori's had a great season, but I just think in the faster surfaces, he is going to be kind of roughed a wee bit for the big power players. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, yeah, certainly with the clay court season behind him. <clears throat> I hope that's not the last we're seeing of, you know, top 10 player Nori. Hopefully he's... Bloody... Well, he just needs to play Diego Schwartz in the first round of the US again and get that. Yeah, exactly. A, a kind draw in New York, hopefully. And oh, bumping you... into the Dallas Federal would be nice for him in a grand slam, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, Cam could actually go far, hopefully. Yeah. I think we're all done. I think we've just about covered everything that happened in the past week. Yeah, not loads, really. Certainly, not since, loads the, oh. certainly since the Olympics is finished. Next week, we'll probably cover a little bit of the Montreal results. Uh, Tor- I keep doing that. Tor- the Toronto results. Canada results. Yeah, yeah, just be yeah. safe, exactly. The, the Canadian Masters results. Uh, and maybe look a little bit at the US Open. When does the Cincinnati draw come out, Gav? Do you know? Anything well, no one needs to. It's always want to put it out the final possible moment. It'll probably be Saturday night at like 2 a.m. or something. You know, and it, it, it is, is, is it the week following Canada? Uh, yes, Cincinnati's next week, and then you've got a week straight before New York, I think. Wow, fair enough, okay. Right, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we'll do a little bit of a Cincinnati preview as well, then. It'll be actually be quite busy in tennis terms. Yeah, that's so. right, because you've got Winston-Salem the week after. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. So we shout-out to Winston-Salem there. You fifty sides, you know. After you utilize and shoot out there, it's like that's why we need to get back in ATP two fifty. We've not forgotten about you, Winston Salem. Don't worry. Yeah, Jokic yeah. might play that for the US Open. You never know. Maybe that's true. I mean, he's pulled out of Cincinnati, hasn't he? Yeah, maybe he might panic and uh, yeah. You know. He's not one for playing tournaments before slams. To be he's fair, no, he did play that Eastbourne one week, which was bizarre. I know. Did he spawn? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Mental. him him playing that Belgrade event before the French this year as well was quite bizarre too. But yeah, it's not like him. So Karatsev's yeah, not complaining, but yeah, no, no, he's not. He's not. To be fair, right. Anyway, yeah. With that, I think we can probably wrap up there. I can do the outro and stuff. Yep. Thanks very much for being here, Gav. Thank yeah, you thank you very much. Always thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, audience, for giving us a listen again. If you want to catch any of my blog work, you can go to jackedward.substack.com. If you want to catch any of Gav's work, you can catch him on Twitter now or you can catch him on Last Word on Tennis. And hopefully we'll you'll be listening to us next week as well. Fingers crossed. Right. Thank you very much for being here. This has been the On The Line podcast. Cheers, Gav. Cheers, yeah. Good to talk to you. You too. Speak next week. Speak next week.